shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. My my, this here Anakin guy. <laughs> Have you ever thought about like how uh, Anakin's supposed to be the chosen one, and yet? Everyone, I think, I mean, you and I included, kind of look as Luke is the way more powerful Skywalker. Right. So my question to you, who actually brings balance to the Force? Anakin or Luke? <laughs> and why? <laughs> well, this will shock you, Connor, but I have a two-part answer to this. Oh, my God. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and the answer, well, the answer overall is Anakin. Okay. But I believe two things to be true. Okay. First off... If we go by, you know, kind of traditional understanding, like the end of the events of episode three mm -hmm. leading to the to episode four, he does bring balance to the force. He does. Because there are essentially two Sith and two Jedi left remaining that we know about. Essentially, yes. I mean, obviously, you know, if you get into all the other stuff, like, you know, the rebels of it all and yeah. everything, there's lots of Jedi and, uh, and also some dark side the, users who aren't Sith. The Inquisitors. Right. And then there's also uh, the comic book, like, you know, residual Jedi and whatnot. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yes. But anyways, as you were saying. But the second part of that is, to me, it's a little bit like uh, what we kind of see in Game of Thrones oftentimes. Okay. That there are prophecies, and prophecies are often proven correct, but not in the way that you expect them to be. Right. So if this is here, Bob lies here, and you think Bob's going to lie there, it turns out that it was actually someone named Robert or something like that. That's kind of a stupid euphemism, I know. I, I, I don't really know where I was going for there. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just... I mean, if you're a Game of Thrones person, this will maybe geek you out. If you're not, then <laughs> then whatever. But of it's course. kind of like the... I mean, it's kind of like the Maggie the Frog prophecy, if you will. Yes, the, the uh, where she talks to young Cersei, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and obviously some of that stuff has happened like exactly the way that she said, that all of her kids would go into the grave before her. Right. Um. You know, but I think it's also true that by knowing this prophecy, she also makes some false pretense with it. True. Like, she believes that Marjorie is the more fair lady that has come to usurp her. But realistically, that's probably either Daenerys or maybe it's going to be somebody like Sansa. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's a big possibility one way or the other. I could see that. Um you know, and, and so as such, it's like when you know the prophecy, you try to react to the prophecy and you often get it wrong. But I mean, ultimately, who's the guy who defeated the emperor and ended the galactic the civil war? Yeah, he ended the, like the Bane legacy of and everything. Yes. That would be Anakin, technically. That's my answer. Okay. Before I give my answer, oota poota, everybody. <laughs> I know. We were getting into some Game of Thrones there, Laura. Yes. All right. Oota poota, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars. Especially, I guess, uh, well, the Luke versus Anakin debate. Yes. All yeah. right. So to get back at this. Go for it. The idea, like, uh, from my end, I agree with you wholeheartedly because ultimately if Anakin is indeed the chosen one and he's destined to bring balance to the Force, 
I'm like you, and I have a two-part answer like that. The first instance that he brings balance to the Force, as you said already, that there are two Jedi and two Sith by the time, you know, Revenge of the Sith wraps itself. But you also have to give fact that the one destined to help him essentially, you know, see the good and, like, turn back to the light, more or less, is his son. Yes. And with him... Having children, I mean, you know, having children with Padme and everything like that, is that not him bringing some kind of balance into the Force? <laughs> well, I that's a very interesting thought. There, I mean, you think about it, like, the last time this happened, the dark side was getting so, you know, all over the place that Anakin himself was indeed born. Yes. And so maybe it's in that same line, because yeah. it's such a, like, a strong bloodline in itself. Yes. That, that the it, Skywalker gene lives on somehow. That it and is a, a virgence in the same way that his birth was a virgence of the Force. Exactly. So it's just insane. Yeah. You know, I, that's that's kind of how I see it. So, and, and to get back to you saying it, it's, it's true. He does indeed throw Emperor Palpatine away, and that's him essentially bringing the balance back to the Force. Yes. Even though, like I said, Luke is the one who eventually told him to see the light, you know, to put upon lightly. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm at with it. So. Well, and that's fair. I mean, I, I follow, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I can go either way with that. I mean, I think you could even argue that, like, uh, I mean, if you really wanted to take it to another level, like, Luke's failings mm-hmm. in the new Disney trilogy canon. in yeah. the new canon is also kind of a reaction from the force Ugh. insofar as, you know, I, I think you can make an argument that the balance of the force is that basically there aren't really a lot of powerful force wielders. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's, that it is kind of an unstable environment. And when that kind of power swells, that causes problems for mm-hmm. everybody in the galaxy. Yeah. And like I said, the, the the force itself just it sees it, it's going wrong one way, and it decides to balance itself out the other, yes. and just smack it back together or something <laughs> like that. I don't it's, really know. It's just it's like the Bendu. It's just in the middle. Oh my god! Yeah, you need the balance in the middle. What did you think of the Bendu? I like the Bendu. Did you finish the season yet? I am done with season three, so yes. Oh, and you're just like you're in the show hole now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like thinking like, okay, I need to, you know, it's it's. I think it's like my turn. I have to go find the fourth season. And, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I want to get it just to have for my collection, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm like thinking I'm just gonna get them all anyway, like, yeah. Because I've because I've been so shockingly impressed by Rebels. It's insane how good it is, it is. you know. And I, I mean, I'm one of the first people to tell you that, like, I, I completely wrote it off when it was first announced. Yeah, I was just saying, like, you know, the animation style. You cannot. You know, you cannot do better than what, like, Clone Wars already perfected. Like, yes. Clone Wars wasn't, like, you know, the personification of just epic storytelling in itself. But, like, you know, you got used to the animation and you actually started to like it that much more. And next thing you know, like, Rebels comes along and it looks like it just started stripping back from what they had. Yeah. And it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, come on, where's the rest? Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, and I can't believe that there is only one more season out there. That's, yeah, that's uh, the other side of yeah. it too. Maybe I haven't got it yet because I just don't want it to end. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for that. I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as I've been saying, like, uh, resistance has been picking up, but it's not, yeah. you know, but there's a very different experience between like sitting down and just like, you know, I putz on my phone. I do this and that when I'm watching resistance Yeah, because like it is kind of designed for, you know, very much like an ADHD brain of a, you know, a young child. Whereas, Flashing sounds. Yeah. Whereas, you know, rebels is like, 
this is the real deal, man. <laughs> well, because they get they get very heavy with like their plot. Yeah, you know. Well, just the all right. So the Bendu alone, like that. I the only first time I ever heard about Bendu uh-huh. was in the Thrawn book that yes. we actually, you know, you and I talked about. You had just finished, I think, was the Thrawn Alliance, right? Yes. And like Darth Vader, like jabs, uh, you know, he jabs a. Uh, Thrawn with this saying like you lost because he didn't understand a creature or something like that like yeah one of Thrawn's greatest failures is because this creature just outright like went oh this is the force you don't know what the force is or something like that yeah so it's like I don't know but honestly like I mean as as crazy as a creature as he was like it was interesting to have that kind of middle area like you were saying right and I think I mean you know I think we like I, I'm not saying I, again. I, I think I say this often that like I'm not saying this, but I'm like kind of just planting breadcrumbs or whatever, right. um, you know. But I do think that that's been a trend in this kind of Disney Star Wars era. Is you know I think they are like they're trying to kind of redefine what the balance is, what the middle ground is. It's true, yeah. Um, I... You know, and I think that's actually fantastic. I mean, it's it's something that I appreciate about what Disney has done, yeah. even if some of the stories have fallen flat. Yeah, no, it, you give and you get. Yes. Um, but I agree with you. It's it's all about just how you interpret it and everything like that. So, uh, you know, everyone just enjoy it in your own way, but, uh, you know, do what you can. Yes. Yeah. Star Wars, buddy. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so let's get into some Star Wars news, Well, before we? we do Star Wars news, Ooh, yes. let's do website news. Website news. Oh, yes. All right. The big news. I yeah. apologize because <laughs> I'm usually the one who jumps right into the gumption here. So yeah, I, I know. It's all right. all right. But it's my website, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take the lead, boss. Uh, so we are very happy to welcome the Games and App podcast to the Reggie's House podcast network. What up, Games and Nat? So, you know, so you guys probably remember Brandon, who was on the show, uh, you know, a couple months back. And he uh, gave us the business on some pretty hardcore Star Wars questions there. Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> that we still did pretty okay with. I know. It's surprising <laughs> that we got as many as we did, but yeah. I still felt like I was falling yeah. flat we, everywhere. Yeah, we missed, uh, we missed some uh, layups, I think. Yeah. Um, Carbonite. Yeah, but, oh, it's a carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so Brandon Carnahan and Andrew Fiocch, they talk about video games and yeah. that. Oh yeah, the Inat is the best part. It is. It's. I mean, it, it's essentially what we do. We just never put a name to it. Yes. But yeah, they. I mean, they talk. They talk almost anything when it comes to the Inat portion of their show. Yes. But uh, honestly, they give uh, in-depth analysis on you know some of the newest and greatest games out there. Yeah. Um. Recently, they were just doing a uh, an episode about Division Two. Yeah. And I forget the other game they were covering. Oh, it was just Destiny, Destiny Two. Too. Yeah. Yeah. New and, stuff from um, Destiny. I, I'm not. Like, I'm not one of the people who actually like you know plays those types of games like it's never been like my my first go-to but the way that they described it honestly it made me want to jump into it like it made me want to like i know give it a shot <laughs> yeah so you yeah. know if, if it could do it to someone like me who has no uh you know real inkling on how to play these games or whatever but like it it's got to do wonders for everybody else so yeah. you know please check them out games in that podcast yeah, and they, um, uh, I mean, and also, I mean, so you can find them on iTunes, Games N apostrophe A T. Yes, it it may be a little difficult to find at first, but uh, just keep trying. You'll yeah. see two delightful like cartoon heads with yes. beards. Yes, and <laughs> you'll find them. It's a nice blue and uh, yellow like logo. Yes, very cool logo. Uh, and they also they stream on Facebook every Tuesday. Uh, around like eight thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, like typically that. around then. So you can also just watch them live as they're doing their thing. Participate uh, in the chat. Yeah, but the uh, the podcast will show up 
typically the next morning. So, yeah. uh, so we're really happy. I'm really excited to have them on board. So yeah. And like you said, check it out on reggiesauspodcast.com yep. Yep. or find them on iTunes. Absolutely. As the same thing goes for us, but this is more about them. We're excited to have them on board. So welcome you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And as we always say, you know, thanks to everybody who's tuning in to us this week. And, of course. Uh, you know, if you have ideas, Give us a shout. Let yeah, us know. Please check uh, us we, out yeah. on, on our own Facebook, uh, Greeter Shot First Podcast. Yes. And, uh, you know, drop us a comment, send us a message, anything in it you're interested in hearing about or want, want us to talk about. We're willing to take the punches and roll with them, buddy. For sure. Oh, hi, Callie. How are you? <laughs> we got Callie in studio again today. And, it's been uh, a couple episodes, I think, actually. I know. She's practically a regular at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like game or what? I was about to say we're games of that. No, <laughs> Greta shot first. Andrew, Co- wait, I'm, I'm I was about to call you. All right, <laughs> we've gone too far into this. Callie, you're messing me up like always. You're so cute. Uh, let's get into Star Wars news, shall we? Sounds great. Uh, so, topic of today, or the big topic right off the bat: Galaxy's Edge has an opening date. It does. Yeah, and it opens. Ooh, so, wait a minute. Yeah, so Disneyland will be open May 31st. Wow. That's like barely, it's a month and a half from now. All right. I'll be the first to admit I did not know that. Yes. The only one I did know about was August 29th. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's right. the Walt Disney World opening. Oh, okay. So Hollywood's going to get real, real opening. Gah. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's going to be interesting. It's so soon, too. I know. Because they said it was going to be late fall or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, but, I think I mean, Disneyland is... was always planned to be a little bit ahead, but. But, I mean, you know, this might be, like, our East Coast bias, but, yeah. but we don't really think about Disneyland that much. But, yeah, I mean, literally in, you know, in about six weeks, um, <laughs> they'll be, you know, they will be opening the doors to Galaxy's Edge in California. I mean, you think about it over in Hollywood, they got to build movie studios in less than a month. Yeah. You know, like, epic sets in general. So, like, this must have been just a normal Tuesday for them. Yeah. That's how they're able to get it well, done so Yeah, fast. I mean I think it was partially that and I think what I've also kinda heard is that, you know, so Disneyland is a much more is a much smaller park overall. Mm-hmm. Um and so and not so much that Galaxy's Edge isn't going to be similar in both places, but they just like they basically had to tear down the other stuff and kind of work faster at Disneyland. Yeah. So that's why they're ahead of schedule there compared to Walt Disney World, where it's like a whole new expansion of land that was never used before. Well, I mean, I, I hear you on that. I, I've actually, like, I, I've been talking to uh, people recently about, you know, the, the the parks opening up. A few friends of mine are talking about going down to Disney World soon. You know, we were talking about, you know, yeah. how we talked about it on this on our <laughs> episodes a couple times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're basically saying that, like, when it comes to, like, Star Wars, and I guess this would obviously make a lot of sense, but, like, when you want to go down there, you know, opening month you know let alone the week or the day of yeah um you like the way they described it whenever i think it was like the toy story area opened up Mm -hmm. just to leave that section of the park took you an hour yeah like waiting in line i believe that yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that i did see is that i think at disneyland in particular Mm -hmm. like when you buy your tickets, you have to like reserve a separate pass yes. to get into Galaxy's Edge. So, I mean, in a way, that's going to be good because that way you can sparse it out and, yeah. you know, really get to enjoy most of it. Because yeah. if it turns into just like a sea of people, yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to enjoy all the little nuances yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of my mindset. I mean, obviously, I was just there earlier this year. Well, Walt Disney World anyway. Yeah. But like, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't think I'll be back for at least a little while. I mean, I know we've kind of talked about Galaxy's Edge a lot in the last few episodes yeah we won't go too much into detail <laughs> yeah but like you get the gist that it's going to be an epic and 
experience all itself. Yeah. Yeah. If, only, it, if it wasn't a part of like a big park already, it could be its own attraction. Yeah. yeah. They could easily make it like it's like literally you could probably put it in the middle of, you know, Dubuque, Iowa. And, uh, <laughs> people would go and people would find it. Yeah. <laughs> I have no doubt. Imagine it's just like one of like the, you know, the middle of America states that's just nothing but flat farmland and all of a sudden big black spires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. popping up you'd everywhere. Able, yeah. You'd be able to see them for like a hundred miles or something. <laughs> exactly. You could see that from the plane, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Now the reach one... Dubuque or whatever, as you say, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, we're here. Yeah. I can see the spires already. <laughs> we're only over Ohio. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, so it it it's going to be interesting to see. You know, hopefully, when people do go there, it, they can have a good experience and yeah. not be you know crowded to the front, so to speak. Yeah. Hopefully, they don't run out of like kyber crystals or anything. Yeah. You know, real oh, fast. Yeah. I'm so, sure. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the the threat will be real though. Yeah, but uh, you also uh, jotted down that the um, the only ride that will actually be available once the park first opens will just be the Smuggler's Run, the yes, Millennium the Falcon, Falcon ride. ride. Yeah. So, and with that, they're actually going to open Rise of the Resistance, the other like interactive 4D ride mm-hmm. later this year. And yes. we're And you speculate that it might be spoilers. Yeah, I'm wondering if I mean. So the whole thing, the whole premise is that when you're on Batu, like. It is like you are in universe. Yeah. Like and and they continue that into the ride is what I've heard. Yeah. Is that they will depict you taking off from Batu. So it just makes me wonder if like you're literally going to, you know, kind of play out a part of episode nine, basically. That would be interesting to see, to say yeah. at least. I I mean You've said as much already, like when it came to the 4D experience for Harry Potter, that you were I mean, you were thrusted into it. Yes. You know, it, it was very, you know, real yeah. timey you know i don't really know how else to explain it It just feels like you were really there yeah and uh you know i'm assuming that they want to just work all the kinks out and everything like that that might be what they're trying to pass off but at the same time it might be exactly what you say and you know they don't want to ruin any potential big spoilers for the end of episode nine yes so we shall see yes that uh, i mean I'm more interested to see how that comes out. I mean, I love the concept of the Millennium Falcon ride, but I'm more curious to see what the potential could be for the yeah. uh, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, and it's put like, and I don't, I mean, and again, not to get waylaid on more Galaxy's Edge talk, but I mean, it's supposed to be like a 28 minute experience. Really? Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> I I mean, as much of a Star Wars fan as I am, I don't know. I feel like after the twelfth minute, I'll be like looking at my watch. Yeah. Like, when's, like when, when am yeah, I gonna be like, done with this? We still spying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that Kylo this guy? Is, this is a little yeah. Spying is hard work, man. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, also, yeah. I love to go dressed up as Pat the Radar Technician. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just walk around the park and just offer to help people out. Yeah. Like with Kylo, it's like, look, I got Kylo Red's lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see how cool it is? Yeah. You don't have to look at it anymore. All right. Um, but to get off of that one more Galaxy's Edge topic, yes. probably the biggest news, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, you will actually get to interact with a life-sized Hondo and Naka um, animatronic. Yes. Like robot, if you yeah. will. Uh, I, mean, this, I mean, this looks cooler than I would have thought. Seriously. I mean, because it is like unbelievably lifelike. 
Yes. Creepily so. And, I mean, it's not the first time they've done this. I mean, they, they're, their biggest attraction when it comes to these animatronics is the Hall of Presidents. Right. Over in Disney World, I think, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, you can see how much like, their facial animations are just done so well. Yeah. And this is an alien we're dealing with. Yes. You know, so it, it doesn't seem like it needs to be anything so hack- accurate to a human or any, at any chance. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that Hondo himself started off as just an animated character. That's the most unbelievable part. I know. Yeah. That, I mean, like it's a, I mean, it's a major like feather in the cap to, uh, I mean, to like a Dave Filoni yes. and B just to the staying power of those animated shows. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. And he had enough of a following to just be like, you know what? I think people would like it if he came back. And it's like, yeah, I would. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, really, I'm really excited for what this holds for him. And, right. you know, and it kind of opens the door that maybe he could appear in some other sort of medium. Mm, episode like, nine, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe episode. I mean, <laughs> oh, he'll show up in the Mandalorian. I mean, I, I think Mandalorian feels a little more Pirate-y. natural. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't know what it is about Netflix, like, they really want Pedro Pascal to be part of the Star Wars universe, and they keep pairing him with people from the Star Wars universe. Uh, that new movie with uh, uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Yes. I did. I, saw I, that. I watched that. Like, I know you're a Narcos fan. Yes. And I have not watched Narcos, but I did watch Triple Frontier. It yes. was like, this is pretty great. Like, <laughs> you can I'm, see how it would work yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you see, Pedro, he's a great actor. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to actually see what he brings to a character like this. Yes. It's supposed to be kind of serious, maybe kind of kind or whatever i don't know but yeah i mean like watching triple frontier like i got this sense that he was like the only one that actually knew what he was doing sort of like and i don't mean that in like a hypocritical way no um but it was like he felt the most kind of natural with the whole process most likely so it's probably because he was in narcos and he had to do the whole you know detective side of it and everything yeah so i i really appreciated that that's cool man i mean i i I'm excited to, like I said, I'm just excited to see how the whole experience comes out. I'm excited that Hondo and Naka has become such a big deal. And it's not like Weequay haven't actually showed up in, like, you know, the movies or anything like that. Yes. They were most popular in the third one, the, the, Je- the Return yeah, of the Return Jedi. Yeah, Return of the Jedi, yeah. I mean, very conspicuously. And, like, everybody just refers to them as prune face. Yeah, it's, but, I mean, it's exactly what they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't know the name of the species, it's just prune face. But that's exactly who the guy is. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see... It, Take a gander. There's like a 30 second video of them making this animatronic yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, I think it's called the Imagine, like the Imagineers instead of like the Engineers. Right. It's like on their page. So give it a view and, you know, see for yourself. It is absolutely astounding what they're able to do. Yes. Um, all right. The last bit of uh, news that I have. Mm hmm. Uh, at least on my end, right? Is uh, they re- recently released the first like new novel of the year? Yes, Queen's Shadow, written by. Uh, actually, I don't have it written down here. That's my that's my fault. It's is the that, E. K. Johnston. I, I, think? I think that's who it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, written by E. K. Johnston, and um, I actually just got the audiobook of this myself mm-hmm. and uh because i was curious you know mm-hmm. it's first one in the year I, I usually jump on it and i'm yeah. you know i always want to see what it's about and i can tell you right now i'm maybe four or five chapters in mm-hmm. and it's intriguing okay you That's know good. That's it's good. basically the side that we thought we would you know we would see of it it's just and honestly i'll i'll give it to you outright it's a lot of politics sure the whole story is i mean it starts right at the beginning of uh 
uh, well, it starts right at the end of her reign as Queen Amidala. Uh-huh. And uh, essentially, it just follows her, like, an in- inevitable, like, uh, rise to the senator position for Naboo and, like, his her work into politics and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they cover, like, all these interesting details you never even, like, thought about. Mm-hmm. So the dress that she wears, the red dress with the big, like, uh, <laughs> you know, helmet piece and everything like that uh-huh. in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Turns out that thing's got an escape pod in it. <laughs> According to what they said, for, like it's like it's fiber weave, so it's like it's blaster proof, right? Okay. So she could totally just go full turtle and just duck her head underneath the thing and hide herself in this dress. Yeah. And secondly, the idea of it having an escape pod is it's what they mean is that at any given time she can swap herself out with one of her like lookalike handmaidens uh-huh. and no one would ever know okay. because it would just stand still, it would stand upright. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and so it's stuff like that. But it's it's curious to see how this works. And it's like, oh yeah, everyone had like all this stuff like hidden around that like, you know, you could use those weapons at any point and like uh-huh. she's like bulletproof bulletproof to the gills and like all these different <laughs> things she has to wear are all for protection. So it's interesting in that respect and it's interesting to see all that like actually you get to know like what the handmaidens or were all about and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm interested so far. I I have yet to actually read it all the way through, but I'll be excited to see how it comes out. Yeah. Um I mean, otherwise, like it's, uh, it's really just, uh, you know, it, it's it's early on, and I can't tell you that too much about like, you know, what the main story is going to be about. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: there is a subplot with one of her handmaidens, okay, about her going back to Tatooine to try and save slaves. Oh, and maybe one slave in particular. I see. Interesting. Yeah, me. Sure, me. We'll spoil that. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, so looking for Shmi, and I was like, "That's kind of cool." That is cool. You know, um, yeah. I think I saw somebody like did an article about that recently. Yeah, it was like, you know, did anybody ever attempt to, you know, did did like some jet did a Jedi ever go back there or anything Mm. like that? Yeah, yeah. we always talk about him. Star Wars explained. Yeah. He did a video. Like it was like a, a questionnaire about like, why did no one ever go back to save Shmi? Uh-huh. And it's like, well, I guess someone tried. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, regardless, it's, it, it's interesting and it's a young adult book. So like, it's, it's never going to be in my wheelhouse. Like, unless I know to look for it. Right. But I'll be like, I'll be interested to see what everyone else has to say about it. And like, give you the full front of it once I actually finish it. Yeah. So, um, well, but, I mean, I, I hope, and I mean, obviously you're probably a little too early into it at this point, but like, I wonder if it'll include some of like the, you know, some of her senatorial like inspirations from the clone wars, mm. um, like, uh, the Bontier, Bontier lady. Bontapolo? No. No, God, wrong person. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like that. Yeah. No, she's like one of the separatist senators, but she was like an inf- like a major influence for Padme. I think I remember her. And there's like that banking clan dude. Yes. Yeah. All right. He's already in it. Corvus. Okay. Yes. I think his name. Yeah. yeah. He's already or Clovis. Clovis. It's Clovis. Yes. Clovis. Um, and uh, and the and the Rodian. Uh, the road. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she like doesn't she like not have a good time in the Clove Wars? I don't remember the Rodian senator. Maybe I'm thinking of a different Rodian senator. Well, yeah. So the one, because I think it's like when Cad Bane like captures him, like at the end yeah. of the first season. Yeah, 
We're getting off the cuff here. We are. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's this happens all the time. Yeah. If we, you know, if we were faster on the cuff, this would be the anat portion. So. Right. And I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know this. Uh, I know the audio book is narrated by the girl who portrays her on Clone Wars. It is. Yeah. So. And I, I mean, I only just realized that when I was doing a little more research about it because mm-hmm. it sounded familiar. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's because. They also have, like, E.K. Johnson did the Ahsoka novel, and right. that's actually read by Ahsoka's voice actor as yes. well. Yeah. So I'm, like, now seeing, like, the potential with this book, it makes me actually want to go back and get the Ahsoka book, because I'm also curious of that timeline as well. <coughs> yeah. Um, but <clears throat> a couple more odds and ends. Yeah. I think I, I'm actually just going to skip this first one, because it's just speculative, and I really don't know anything about it. We can get back to it next time. Um, but... Well, so actually, I'm going to kind of go out of order on these last two. All looking right, at our hit script. me. What you got? But so, you know, I think last time we talked, I, I mentioned that there was a bunch of rumors of potential Star Wars shows in addition to the Obi-Wan show that we spent a lot of time talking about. We talked about like Poe, Finn, Phasma, all yes. them. Yeah. So I found the actual list Ooh. of rumored names. Uh, okay. So first up, we have Lando Calrissian Ooh. with Donald Glover. Potentially reprise, you know, that would be in cool. The role, yeah, a young, I mean, that yeah. makes sense, perfect sense, yeah. Uh, Kira, which mm. <laughs> I mean, Game of Thrones is gonna end, so she yeah. would need something to do, yeah. I think that's like kind of the perhaps what the speculation would be. I don't know, it um, would be interesting because you think about it, Jake could do it with Ray Park, yeah, Darth Maul, yeah, actually make something that, interesting, yeah. About that it. would be kind of cool if they could actually tell that, like, flesh that story out a little bit further, yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's still kind of a big empty spot even with his reappearance in rebels yeah which, which i think most people know so sorry if i just spoiled that no it's cool <laughs> but it, that's a whole other thing that bugs me but we can get back to that another time yeah just the, like his timeline between the two right so um yeah and i don't know that it totally adds up but that might be what makes it interesting yeah um uh then we have finn mm-hmm. poe yep and young princess leia which oh ooh, um I did hear that. Well, there was rumors that the the little girl who plays Eleven, yes, from Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown, Millie who Bobby does Brown, look exactly like a young Carrie Fisher. She does. It's, I mean, she does. It's insane. But like, I don't know. I I have my doubts that they'll like when she's done with Stranger Things. I don't think she's going to do any TV for a while. No, like, probably I think not. she's like destined for. You know, she is like the next Natalie Portman to kind of stay in the family. Well, that would make sense for her. Yeah. To be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I mean, all right. Let's put it this way: if they did, they have a perfect opportunity to use her. Yes. If not, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, any like young girls that are famous or anything like that that would even be fit that mold. Yeah. I don't know if they wouldn't go to go like as young as like you know eleven was or you know, teenage years, maybe. Right. I mean, maybe. probably by the, I mean, probably by the time it's actually done, I'm going to guess Millie Bobby Brown's going to be closer to like 16. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of as it, like, she'll be like an adolescent anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then a couple other names, Captain Phasma. Yep. As we've talked, as we talked about extensively Rose, <laughs> which uh, I, I don't think I'm feeling that. No. Um, and then we have the Knights of Ren. Okay. Which I might be a little bit more inclined towards. I mean, You're, I don't need to know, but like... I, there's a curiosity there. Yeah. That, I mean, it, I th- it, that's undeniable. Yeah. I mean, I think a certain level of 
that suspense is going to get kind of killed off when episode nine comes out. Yeah. And the Knights of Ren reappear. They, I mean, they better turn out to be something. I'll just tell you that much. Yeah. And I, unless it's just some, like a bunch of Jags that were like there with the tum like at the temple at the time or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we look cool, don't we guys? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then this is the last name and like, yeah. uh, it's uh, Darth Bane. Wow. Yes. Which I, would, I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what my thought is on that though. Like, I, <laughs> all right, so Bane's an interesting character because I, I have finished that little trilogy of his. Mm-hmm. And part of me really likes him because he's just so he's so brutal. Mm-hmm. But a big part of me hates him because he's so brutal. Yeah. Like we've talked before about like some of the stuff he's had to do to survive. And it's like, it's gut wrenching. It's not something you want to root for. Right. So, like, going for the whole anti hero thing of it, like, you could, I mean, it's the same thing when you're reading these books. Like, they'll give you a side plot where it's the the person that's up against the Sith, mm-hmm. and you are rooting for them. Yeah. Because you know that deep down there, they have, like, good intentions and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, but, you know, Bane's Bane, so he just up and kills him. And it's like, Argh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You know, it was cool how you did it, but why'd you have to do it? You know, it's like, you get to learn these characters so well, and it's like, please don't please don't hurt them, you know, yeah. and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. So to actually see that like portrayed, it would be, mm, I don't know. It would almost be like, kind of like too brutal. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it would be like, I mean, if they were going to do like a star Wars defenders universe kind of thing. Yeah. It would like, just be weird. Yeah. Like, and you'd have to go that far and like, I don't know. I don't feel real. Like, I mean, the, when you first hear Darth Bane, I'm like, yes. But then yeah. when you actually think about like what the character is and the things that he does, it's like you eh. could you could get away with making a hour and a half movie about Bane. Yeah. Like <laughs> at least his like his start mm-hmm. because that's all you really need to know. Yeah. You know, he, he he was he was a slave that like killed a guy and like ran away and then joined the Sith army as a soldier and then became a Sith lord and he's like the Sith suck so I'm going to kill them and you know, that's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the long and the short of the first book. Yeah. You know. But uh I mean I I think more than anything else, I saw you also put here that there might be rumored like more Kotar T V shows. Yes. I myself have actually signed a petition for Netflix to have a Star Wars like Kotar <laughs> adaptation, whether okay. it be animated like the Clone Wars or uh-huh. live action. Yeah. Well. And now <laughs> if Disney wanted to do right by the fans after so many like foul balls. Uh-huh. This would be a big step up because right. it's like we were saying before. Since it's so far into the past, mm-hmm. literal thousands of years. Yeah. Why? Why can't that be? You know, allowed. Why? You know, why <laughs> can't we just make this happen? Because yeah. people clearly love this series. Yeah. And would watch this. They would pay for it, and you know, they would consume it. No, I completely agree. And I think it's a, you know, it's a very complex, um, you know, I think it, it gets into that kind of, you know, morally gray area. Like, I think, you know, I mean, again, if we're talking like a Defenders universe yes. of Star Wars, yeah. um, you know, again, if you're not familiar, that's like the Netflix shows, uh, the Marvel Netflix shows that all aired, like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke yeah. Cage, Iron Fist, etc. Punisher. I'm trying to think what would be the Defenders show from Star Wars. Like, who would be the four characters you'd pick to have their own shows and then eventually, like, meet up because, you know, ninjas take over New York? <laughs> Number one would be Wedge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it would, okay. It'd probably be, like, Wedge, Boba Fett. Mm. Um, Odd couple. Yeah. 
Um, I'm uh, going to throw Mara Jade in there. Yeah, no, that's if we're, great. If we're that's going a, this far yeah, out. that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Because you need answer. a girl. Yeah. And why not have, let her have the force? Yeah. <laughs> and then let's throw a droid in there. Yeah. Throw uh, in a gonk droid. <laughs> um, well, I was maybe thinking like triple zero or something. Like. Triple, is that, wait, is triple zero from the... The comics. Is that Dr. Alpha's? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Triple zero is... He's hilarious. It's the, that's the C three PO. It's the three PO yeah. unit. Yeah. Oh my god. I want to get like I want to get Eva to read those books because specifically because of those robots. Mm-hmm. They're so delightful about the way they talk about murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he could be the Punisher of the series. Yes. They come together to stop something. Yes. Oh god. We're writing <laughs> the shows for him. Yes. But they, yeah, I would love to see something Kotar related. Yeah. To get back to the main point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I I've always I think I've even said this on the podcast before. Like the one thing. Arguably that I would want would be like if, you know, we, we know that we're still getting a trilogy of movies from uh, Benioff and Weiss, yeah. the people from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, like, I've always felt that that could be a good fit for them. Not so much like because, oh, like, oh, the old Republic, you know, and they just did this whole big sprawling middle, you know, middle ages kind right, of drama. Yeah. Um, but it's not so much that. It's more actually just because I think they're good with that, like with the complex character development. Yeah, and um, they would have the room to do just that. Yes. It could actually explain these characters out and do yeah. them justice. Yeah, and char- yeah, I mean, characters like Revan and the Exile like are, you know, they are morally complex people that are not just like goody-two-shoes Luke Skywalker-like. The, I would like to see something about Darth, um, I think it's Malak? Yes. It's a guy, um, he appears like in the trailers, I think so. Is he the one with like the face mask? Well, no. the one with the face mask is Revan. No, 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 no. That's the full face mask. We're talking about like the breather. He, he's bald, but he has oh, like a yeah, breather. Oh, yeah, that's Malik. Yeah. Malik. So, like, the one book that I read that does actually involve, like, Malik, like, just his whole story arc and that is, like, insane because it's one of those things, like I was saying before, you don't want to, like, root for the bad guy, uh-huh. but you couldn't help being, like, damn it, he's cool, yeah. you know? So that's that's where I would be, like, I'd be interested to see more about his character. And it's the same thing that Game of Thrones does. Yeah. No one gave two craps about Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, it's, like, the, he's, the like, one of the number <laughs> one guys. Yeah. So, you know, the hero for many. Yeah. So there you go. Like, let, let, you know, let it happen that way. And they could be good with it. And I know you're saying just because it's like, okay, it's a highly fantastical screenwriting and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, if they have experience with that, why not just do the same thing, but with Starwood? Yeah. No. Well, yeah, I I kind of agree. I just feel like that's, that's, that would be in their wheelhouse, (laughs) but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, let me get to you this. Uh, So just uh, to surround everything out, um, (laughs) I've been keeping up with the new Jedi Order. So I've heard. Yes. And uh, I actually have the list here. If I can find it. I just finished. No, I can't find it. Star Wars, the new Jedi Order. It's in this one. Here we go. What I'm doing right now is I'm riffling through 35 pages worth of novels. (laughs) And the reason I'm rifting through 35 pages worth of novels is because I wanted to keep track of everything that we were reading. And so, according to this, I've read 11 books in the New Jedi Order series thus okay. far. The most recent one being uh, The New Jedi Order, Star by Star. Okay. Which yes. was preceded by Edge of Victory 2, Rebirth, preceded by that, Edge of Victory 1, Conquest. I think you're seeing a, a thing go on here. There's, like, there's multiple like two-parters as well as just title after title after title after title. <laughs> and so, you being the original book nut... 
Yes. I wanted to test your like knowledge in a little <laughs> game. Yeah. Okay. And so the way this game is going to go is I'm going to give Andrew five questions, and each question is going to have. It's going to have it. It's going to change uh, at, at one point. Okay. And I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, like the, it's. I'm going to give you three titles, and you have to tell me which one is made up. Okay. All right. Oh, no. It's as easy as that. <laughs> That's way harder. I thought it was just going to be like a true false type of quiz. <laughs> It'll be fine. All right. Are you ready for this? Yes. The first one. Tell me which one of these is fake. Jedi Prince 4, Mission from Mount Yoda. The Clone Wars, Secret Mission 6, Change in the Force. Star Wars Adventure 3, The Hostage Princess. Which one is fake? I have to say the first one. The mission from Mount Yoda? Yes. That is real. <laughs> Could you believe that? <laughs> no. I couldn't believe it either. I, I swear to God. Yeah. They, I, I looked at it and I was like, this is perfect. This is the curveball that I need. <laughs> yeah. The fake one is actually uh, the Clone Wars Secret Mission 6. Okay. Uh, Change in the Force. There's only four of the secret mission okay. in the secret mission line. <laughs> well, I, knew, I mean, I know that there was like a Clone Wars like kind of you know addendum thing that they did it's it's crazy so. but yeah like so i that's what i'm saying like there's several different series like this besides the new <laughs> jedi order legacy of the force there's like you know the young jedi apprentice and stuff yeah. like that and so well yeah just, so, yeah some of the that kid stuff i'm not gonna be good with <laughs> no trust me it, it's that's not like primarily what i did i just like yeah. i went through and just saw everything and i wanted to give you one that was like all these different titles and see yeah. which one was the regular one okay this one might be a little bit easier which one is fake? Dark Kyber, Dark Saber, or Dark Disciple? Dark Kyber. Yeah. That one was way easier. <laughs> I know. Dark Saber is, I mean, that's a real thing. Yes. And then uh, Dark Disciple, I think that's more new than anything yeah. else. Yeah. I think that it's like um, Asajj Ventress and... Um, oh, I forget the other guy's name. It's like the he has the dreadlocks. The yeah, dreadlock, he's, uh, he's like the surfer dude. He's the surfer Jedi. Quinlan Voss. Quinlan Voss. That's yeah. him. Yeah. He's like, Kenobi, how you doing, bro? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Now, this is going to test your true fanboyness. Oh, no. Out of these three books, which one is fake? Boba Fett, Smuggler's Revenge. Boba Fett, Maze of Deception. Or Boba Fett, Crossfire. You love Boba Fett, so that's why I want to test your knowledge. Uh, did you do the first two again? Smuggler's Revenge or Maze of Deception? This is the Boba Fett trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking hard, man. Yeah. I, can, I can appreciate that. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I'm going to say it's the second one. The Maze of Deception? Yes. That's actually the third one in the series. Okay. Now, the wrong the the one that's not true is Smuggler's Revenge. Okay. I think I think the way it goes is Crossfire is second, Maze is third, and I forget what the first one is. Yeah. I remember Crossfire for whatever reason. It's but... it's a simple one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I saw a Boa Fett trilogy and I was like this would be a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw it on there. Okay. This one. Yes. It might be easy as well. Let's see. Riptide, Tattooing Ghost, or Defector? Which one is the fake one? <laughs> now, I've heard of Riptide. You have? I definitely have. Okay. 
I think. <laughs> Fair enough. But n- like neither of those other two sound real. <laughs> you should see the more like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this pack and when we're done. Yeah. I just don't want to give it to you because it's like you know it's part of my part of my setup here. Uh. <laughs> but there are some ridiculous names. Yeah, I'm going. To, uh, I'm gonna go with Defector is not real. That's correct. Okay, Defector is made up. It just sounded Star Warsy to me and Eva. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> I had Eva I will help give you that. Yeah, I had her help me out with this. I like I, I made a list of all these different phrases. It's the it's the Agent Callus no- novel that we haven't gotten yet. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear more about him. I know that. Uh, well, I guess we'll hear about it in season four. But regardless, yeah. All right, the final question. Just round this out. You have to tell me which one of these is a fake title. So these are three titles. Uh-huh. Two of them are real. Okay. One's fake. Wait. No. Backwards. Or are you flipping this? Flipping it. That's my okay. fault. <laughs> All right. Two of these are fake, but one of these is real, and you have to tell me which one's the real one. Okay. That's my fault. Right. I'm getting lost in my own damn rules. Brandon, where are you? All right. <laughs> which one is the real title? Galaxy at War, Secrets of the Jedi, or Age of or Echo of Rebellion? They all sound like good titles. They do sound like good titles. But which one is the real one? Oh. Mm-hmm. Andrew. <laughs> well, once again, what were the first two? The first two are Galaxy at War uh-huh. and Secrets of the Jedi. And the third one, if you need it, is Echo of Rebellion. Actually, know which one's real. You give up? Or you? Uh, Come on. I believe in you. I'm going to go with Galaxy at War. Wrong. <laughs> Made that sucker up myself. It is Secrets of the Jedi. Okay. Secrets of the Jedi is real. Now, I wish I actually wrote down a little bit of like info behind each one. Uh-huh. But at the very least, like you did better than I thought you would. <laughs> Two out of five. <laughs> Two out of five? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to throw you just a complete curveball and just, yeah. you know, knock oh, it out of the park yeah. there. But and like that, I mean, I, I go back to the first one, and it's like, there's Mission no from Mount Yoda. <laughs> yeah. I even told it to Eva. She's like, did you make that one up? I said, no, it's right here. <laughs> so, yeah. But, like, I mean, it's it's incredible because, I, like I said, I printed out the book list for this, just, just this alone, because I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And, all right, the first five pages alone, out of the first five pages, a page and a half are canon. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. out of all the books in there, I only have one, two, six more books that I have to read to be completely covered up by canon. Wow. Which does not include uh, Queen's Shadow, which came out recently. Yeah. But still, um, it's insane. And yeah. like I said, I went through and highlighted it myself because I was curious about it. Like I said, I'm 11 books into the new Jedi Order, so I'm excited about that. And I'm mainly just interested to see where it goes from there because Star by Star was freaking phenomenal. Yes. We'll get into that another day. We have a different book to talk about today. The main topic of today. We never even talked about this at the top of the show. I know. <laughs> We're doing a review on Heir to the Jedi yes. by Kevin Hearn. Yes. And uh, it is a great like little novel. Yes. It's breezy, like nice and easy read. Yeah. Um, in fact, and so Heir to the Jedi, I guess it does have the distinction of it was the first Star Wars book released like that's considered canon 
after, after the Disney acquisition. Right. So it was initially, yeah, it was initially going to just end up practically on the shopping room floor once Disney bought them out. And uh, they were able to bring some elements that were made legends back into canon again. Yeah. So that's the interesting part of it. Yeah. So it, it, it was in, in that middle gray area where it's like, you know what? We'll let this one slide. Yeah. So it was exciting to see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, I think it's nice because like, I think it survived because it's so small yeah. in its scope. Exactly. And I mean, to get at that, like the, the main story itself, it is a first person, uh, point of view, like, uh, like diary almost yeah of luke skywalker yes and it's on a simple mission for the rebellion and it's just him describing that and him learning to come you know come to terms with his you know burgeoning uh force powers if you will yes and just i, I mean it's it's simple but it's fun and i mean luke clearly had fun writing this apparently because yeah. he had many great little descriptions and everything like that and yeah. this is also one of the first books like in, in my personal history where it's it's told in the first person so it's, it's kind of jarring at that point yeah yeah i mean I, there are i mean there's probably you know a handful of books that i've read that are overall they're third person but like every once in a while they will be like you know it'll be like a third person omniscient kind of perspective so yeah. so then you'll like suddenly drop into like the actual thoughts of a character or whatever. oh yeah um we talk about that going for chewy all the time yeah yeah that, that's typically how they will, will actually represent him like Instead of him talking, it's yeah. like his thought, yeah, so to speak. Um, yeah, but nor you know, but even at that, it's we don't see it that often, and definitely not like an entire novel from the first person. No, no. Um, so I mean, to get at this, I'll. Do you want to read the synopsis, or you want me to? Um, a little I, synopsis uh, in the notes. I can read it. Okay, go ahead. Set between the films A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, it features the early adventures of the character Luke Skywalker. Heir to the Jedi was one of the first four novels published in the franchise after Lucasfilm redefined Star Wars continuity in April 2014. And to get back at that, it's just interesting to, you know, know that, like I said, it just it just made the cut. Yes. And um, I'm hoping that, like, you know, with that, like, it, maybe it was even just the eventual start of everything else that kind of came after that was like, oh, you know, we can't talk about that anymore because it's Legends, but we'll shoehorn it in. Yes. You know? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I actually kind of really liked about this um, was so there's a there's a certain part of the story. It's not overly long, but like Luke goes to Rodia, yeah, the home yeah. planet of the Rodians, like Greedo. Yes, exactly. Um, Namesake. Yes, <laughs> and the and like while he's there, like he interacts with like three distinct tribes of the Rodian people. Right. They're, and, they're kind of sanctioned off in this way. Yeah. And they kind of describe like the actual geography of Rodia in a very particular way. And to me, like that reads very much like the kind of classic EU continuity that I'm used to. It's true. Um, it, it kind of puts you into the sights and smells of what he was experiencing. Yes. I, I mean, let alone he just described it like smelling just like, foot sweat or something like yeah. that like it roadie apparently does not smell very good yeah i remember I that much. believe yeah I, I mean it's i don't think they're you know but i do appreciate the fact that they scrubbed his room as best they could yeah you know? <laughs> and stuff like that to try not to offend his nose yeah oh. but like but as i say it's just like the, that kind of level of detail i feel like is something that we saw a lot in the expanded universe mm -hmm. i think just because i mean i mean i don't know maybe it was because there was a little bit less oversight or kind of you know, I do think one thing that Disney has done is that they don't want to 
go to that same level of detail because that's where you run into plot holes and yeah and you know and potential potential pitfalls in terms of telling a story you start sinking like all these plot points from here and there yeah i can i mean i can believe that just because it's they established what they want it to be and rather than having you know an author kind of go have full leniency with it mm-hmm. to a certain extent yeah now it is under that fine microscope right um, but so I, but like, I appreciated that level of detail and like some of the details, like on the, um, like some of the ships that are encountered in the story. Yeah. He, I mean, he has a very loving, like loving relationship with the, uh, the ship that they use in this. It's the desert rose, uh, desert jewel, the desert jewel. Yes. yes. And, uh, it, it just sounds like a crazy, like cool, like adventurers kind of, yeah. plane, you know? Yeah. Like it kind of is like, I don't know. I mean, it's like having like a really tricked out, like pleasure yacht of some kind yeah or, or i was even gonna say like a mercedes like g-wagon it's like super super capable off-road yeah but it's also like super nice on the inside and it's still fast and like yeah you know it basically does everything well and we should say who this ship actually belongs to yes. is the other part like the other yeah. character in yeah this kind book. of the uh uh his uh partner in crime yes I don't yeah know i think that's really fair yeah a uh, character named nakari kellen nakari kellen uh, who is the heiress to the Kellen Biolab uh, fortune, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, her character is introduced like, very early on to the book here. I mean, she's almost like in the fifth like, sentence. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is really fast that she's like brought up. And yeah. um, I liked her character right off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I agree. I thought she was a, like a very, you know, I mean, maybe she was a bit of a flat character insofar as. Um, like it's almost like she, like her whole situation is almost too perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like she's rich kid. Yeah, rich cool kid. Ship. But yeah, who has an awesome ship? But she's also like a crack shot, and um, you know, is basically like capable of doing every single thing that like Luke is. Yeah. Um, you know, even though Luke is sometimes you know kind of leaning into his force powers to be able to like make a jump or whatever, but she can also do it. It's crazy. I know it, it does. It does get a little fur. Like you don't want to. You don't want to. You know, think of her in the, like in Ray terms. Let's put it that way. Right. Ray kind of. What is it? It's like a, a Mary Sue or something like that. Yeah. That, yeah. It would be do a Mary all Sue, things. Yeah. But she definitely has her limits. Like I think that there's points in the book where you know Luke and uh, Nakari are escaping. You know, from the Empire or pirates or what have you. And you know, Luke has to do some crazy maneuver that completely throws her through a loop. And she's on edge because she's used to, and they, I think the way they stated in the book, getting from point A to point B in her ship, whereas sometimes you have to take care of, you know, dogfighting and stuff like that. And that's right. exactly what Luke does. He's yeah. like, he's not intimidated by it. Yeah. The, it's kind of like the whole thing is like, she like could do it herself, but like she needs a pilot, like a yes. more skilled pilot to pilot her ship. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so I liked her character, her character and they do, like I said, they, they uh, they set her up pretty well. They give her a good little backstory and everything. And I do like the fact that like this was the first like woman besides uh, well, I guess it would be Leia and Aunt Beru <laughs> yeah. that Luke's actually come across. And it's yeah. like, wait, there's more than two in the galaxy. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's like, oh, I can get into this, and yeah. like there actually is a burgeoning little romance in the book, and I yeah. actually like that. Yeah, and I thought it, I thought it was tastefully done. It wasn't like ridiculously over the top. It wasn't like just tacked on and either. It, yeah, you and know, it kind it was... of like, and it felt like you know appropriate to Luke's like experience in that. That is something else I did appreciate too, because it's like. 
you could almost feel what he was feeling in those yeah. situations. Like, oh, you know, it's like maybe I am having these like burgeoning feelings about Dakari, but at the same time, you don't want to come off as like smug or yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> insignificant. You want to yeah. be, you want to be the cool guy. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what he was going through. It's like, yeah. oh man, you yeah, know, like yeah, but like. <laughs> And, like, he's also, like, dealing with the implication of, like, his, like, podunk upbringing. Yes, yeah. Uh, Like, comparing him, he was a farmer, and she's an heiress. Yeah. You know? So he's surrounding himself with, like, crazy, like, power... Extremely how, influential, powerful women. How is he not a credit digger? That's what <laughs> that's, I want to know. Yeah, that's an excellent question. It's not a gold digger now. You got to yeah. go for those credits. Yes. But still, like, it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, so, but all the same, yeah, he, he's, he's like, knocking it out of the park when it comes to women, I guess. Yes. Well, I should add to uh, the other female character that he would interact with through this, besides Leia, is their uh, objective. Yes. And so the, the story revolves around them... Uh, uh, rescuing a cryptographer from the Empire yes. uh, to aid the rebellion. That's yes. that's the long and short of it. And a cryptographer, a cryptographer is a uh, a given woman, a given species. Yes, and uh, her name is Drusel Beforen. Yes, and um, we kind of described a little bit of the given, uh, like. I'm trying to think. It was like the last episode, the episode before that, because we were talking about like the set photos, right? And we were saying the that one this one character that could have looked like a given, it looked a little bit like it, yeah. yeah. And so I'm curious to see what actually, uh, you know, if we'll get to see one in like a live action shot or something like that, because they're mm. kind of scary, yeah. And they describe them as like this species that like they don't have tear ducts, they don't have you know mucous membranes or anything like that. Like they're hollow basically. Yeah. They could survive in vacuum. They could survive in space for like about a day, you know, without any kind of nourishment or anything like that. So uh-huh. they're a peculiar species to begin with. Yes. And obviously, I, you know, we know that there's war out there that could live in vacuum besides just them. So it's right. like it is. It's curious to come across something like that. The most interesting part about Nick, or not Nikari, uh, Jerusalem is that she and her whole species speak in mathematics. Yes. So imagine yourself sitting in you know your first algebra class and they start talking about all the specifics of what you need to learn to actually make these equations work. Mm. And now imagine establishing that to hi, how are you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> write out the equation for just a general, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, and it's two to the fourth square pi and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the, it was it, it's interesting to see her just like do what she did. And not to mention that, like, she was not a helpless character in her own right. Like, she actually brought something to the story, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, she could have honestly just been an annoying passenger, somewhat comic relief. And they made her like kind of, you know. They they, they they kind of redeemed her in my eyes a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's I don't know, that's where I put uh, Drusel myself. Yeah, no, I agree. I think she, yeah, I mean, once again, it was a character that I think it took a while to kind of breathe some life into her. Yeah, for um, sure. And like, and there are definitely, you know, repeated passages where like the only thing she can contribute is, I just want to be with my family. Yes, yeah, all she <laughs> wanted to hear about was her family. <laughs> yeah. She's just like Harrison Ford running down the street. Where's my family? Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. I can't stand. Um, but I mean, other, th- other points in the book, like there's a, there's a, I actually thought about this when I, you know, when I was going through it and uh, there's a section in the book when Nakari and Luke first start working together and they go, you know, visit her father and her father send them on his own mission. Mm-hmm. And it's to like retrieve these, uh, you know, valuable, like, animals essentially yeah. from this like 
you know previously moon. undiscovered like species and it was like a previously undiscovered moon or planet of some yeah. kind and he was going to use them in you know scientific research to make money off of it yes um they are known as skull borers there's a full name for it but skull borers is enough to tell you that they are terrifying <laughs> yes <laughs> uh and to that effect what i'm getting at is when i like thought about this situation it honestly made me think of like a b-rated like 50s sci-fi movie yes it has that feel to it where yeah. it's like the monster from planet 42 or something like yeah. that it's like this it's this slug thing that's invisible and it can bore into the back of your head even though you're wearing a concrete helmet or something yeah. like that it's like oh my god yes mm. it's terrifying yeah and like it made me really think about like uh we'd have to go back and like update our scariest monsters thing from our halloween episode yeah because yeah. that would be right at the top yeah Forget about a rancor. This thing's invisible and it latches onto your freaking skull. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I, I like that for me. Like I said, it was a takeaway that like it wasn't so much just a run and gun, all ships and stuff like that. It actually turned into a bit of like a horror movie a little bit there. It's yeah. like, where are they? You know. Yeah. yeah that. So. Pa- I mean, that section of the story was like. I mean, it was funny because like I think they were clearly trying to avoid too much by way of like imperial entanglement in yeah. the story. They wanted um, to make it a little more like. Of their own story rather than just being the obvious yeah. bad guys. Yeah. But so they kind of needed like a villain to oppose like in the middle part of the book, basically. Like so they that. settle on these and like it was. Yeah, I think I thought it was actually, you know, an effective way to do that without, again, you know, kind of having like tying in all of these imperial connections that are harder to reconcile. Right. Um, There's another side of this book, too, that also makes you realize that like Luke is not. He's, he's not eternal. Like, you know, he is a human being. Yeah. And to that end, like, when they go up against the Skull Wars, like, he gets injured and Nakari gets injured. And, like, even before that, like, there's portions where Luke's nearly eaten by, like, different beasts and, like, attacked here and there. Yeah. And, like, he's getting, like, he's getting the crap kicked out of him. Yeah. And so, you know, it shows that he's just, he's still learning all these different force <laughs> powers and everything yeah. like that. And to that end, that's the other side of the book. Right, yeah, is so. that he is actually kind of developing his his force powers a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think it, you know, in in a lot of ways, this does a very effective job of kind of you know tying together some of the threads between like a new hope where he is truly like a beginner. Yeah, and then yeah. you know by the time we see him in Empire, he is doing things that we definitely didn't see him do before. Like whenever he you know is able to recover his uh, lightsaber from the Wampa. And, uh, you know, certain other things that he, you know, basically he's able to do that, that we didn't know he could do, like in his first fight with Vader in yeah. Empire. Let's just saying, like, yeah, he was able to come back from it, like, that, like, you know, all yes. of a sudden he knows telekinesis. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that wasn't even established in A New Hope. That's the crazy part. Right. So, but, um, yeah, so I think I had, like, made, like, a little nod to this, like, one of the times we talked about it, but, like, it all focuses around him. Like his first real step into telekinesis is focused around a noodle. Yes. Literally like <laughs> levitating and moving a noodle. Yeah. And it's the smallest, simplest thing you could think of, but it was him moving the noodle, um, you know, with Nakari's help, essentially like yes. just saying, I'm not paying attention. You do it, you know, cl- concentrate on it. And to that end, when he tries to do it again later on in the book, while Drusel's around, mm-hmm. Drusel offers him a different perspective on how the force works. And that yes. adds to all the more interesting to it. And so yes. like these two characters are directly involved in the way he thinks of the force. And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, you know, you would never would have thought of these two characters who've never been named before. Yeah. And had this, such a direct influence on, 
possibly the greatest Jedi ever. Yes. You know, so I don't know. It's 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 absolutely astounding to me that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, but other things about the book that I liked, um, I did like the weird interactions that uh, Leia and Luke experience. Yeah. Because as you were saying, this is uh, it was an EU book, and then it became you know new canon. Mm-hmm. You know, practically like within the same time frame. Yeah. And so they still have some of those elements. Yeah, there's other books that I've read that are between A New Hope and Empire that do have little burgeoning moments of like a romanticism between Luke and Leia. Yeah. And the same thing goes for Leia and Han. Right. You know, there's one book in particular, it's called Allegiance, and uh it's it's about like stormtroopers and all this kind of stuff, but yes. there's a subplot with yeah. Luke. That's and... Timothy Zahn book. It is a Timothy Zahn book. You've, yeah. you've heard of it, I guess. Oh, yeah. I've yeah, read okay. it. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so to that <laughs> end, it's, it... it's a great moment where he's so, where Luke comes so close to meeting Mary Jade. Cause of course yes. it's a Zahn book. So Mary Jade is of course in it. Yes. That's the other side of it too. Like she has her own subplot. Yeah. And like, and it... they come so close, but they don't. Yeah. Because that won't happen for like another a couple years, years or something yeah. like that. But yes, that's that's the that's the crazy side of it. And that's that's what made me think about it was just like um the like there's little moments where like Han and Leia are like they're fighting each other essentially they're, they're having words. Yeah. And it's like, oh god, you know, it's like but you could see that like there's something underneath it and Han really wants something to happen. And Luke kind of wants something to happen. I'm not totally sure. Yeah. But even in this book, it's kind of like they, you know, he's like, I give her a nod, which means that I understand or something. Like yeah. That. It's like, yeah. Okay. We, but, and yeah. then she's uncomfortable with uh, Nakari. Yes. Yeah. She she feels that Nakari is kind of encroaching on her, you know, her on space. her man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, again, there's, there's always something that's inevitably awkward and creepy. Like anytime, like we're able to look at, you know, Luke and Leia in a romantic sense or like, you know, are, are, will they, won't they kind of thing. Exactly. Um, you know, and I mean, which is something that the comics do a lot, which I think is actually kind of an interesting tie in as well. Yeah. When this book is set kind of relative to the comics. Um, with, I did read about that. This is, this is directly before the start of like that, Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and I have heard that because because yeah. like early in the book, Luke talks about how Han and Chewie have left currently to beca- go and find to, more money or whatever. Yeah, right? because they lose their, uh, their the fortune they were given, the reward they were given by uh, Leia, by Leia, um, which has not been explained in canon. No, but there was a book. I don't think it, it might have been a Timothy Zahn one. I've brought it up a couple uh, times. Scoundrels. Scoundrels, yes. Which where is they, where they go to, you know, it, that's where they're at in between those books and everything. Right. Yeah. They, so. and they lose it to pirates. I'll yeah. spoil it. I that's, guess. that's, <laughs> yeah. It's like pirates raid them and they lose it. And then, yeah. All right. I guess we're going back to Robin Banks, boys. Yeah. So, so. But that's a book we should talk about. I don't know if you've ever actually read that. I have not actually. So add uh, that to I your list because I, list, I, I I would be curious to hear it because Scoundrels is essentially just Ocean's Eleven, but in in space. Okay. <laughs> so if you you could appreciate that, I think. Yes, that sounds um, great. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, otherwise, I mean, I I, I highly recommend the book, and uh, you know, there are some little thoughts that I have. Like I, I made this amendum. I figured it, it would be good for us to just random thoughts yes. that we've had. Um, so we've already mentioned that it was in development as an EU story. You know, so mm-hmm. we can 
We'll, we'll go past yeah, that. you can kind of sk- skip over that. The one that I wrote down was while he is on Rodia, he's actually like introduced this one character who has a uh, Rodian uh, Jedi, like there's a descendant yes. in their family. Yes, and they built like a little tomb for him out there, and they actually bring into the the idea that like the this Rodian Jedi like autopiloted himself back to Rodia because he didn't know where else to go after Order 66 had happened. And he recorded a message essentially saying that his troops turned on him. Yeah. Please, you know, help me out. And, like, the Rodians who did find him and, like, buried him and everything like that, they, like, destroyed the the droid who had the message and they, like, wiped the ship down. Like, they didn't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of, like, fell into the rumor mill. But this one guy knew about it. And thus now Luke knows about it. And it turns into a whole other thing that, like, well, maybe that's the big truth that, like, why would the clones turn on the on the Jedi? It doesn't make any sense. Yes. You know. Yeah, it kind of starts to, you know, create a picture for Luke that maybe he didn't realize was out there. Right. Know, the, as as to the history of the the Jedi Order. And they, that's another side too. They always bring up like, you know, that the history of the Jedi are mm. scoured. They're yes. just lost to time. Yes. So, you know, even to mention it in public is seen as a, you know, like a blasphemous act. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost, you know, this, I mean, if, if we view like the time of the original trilogy as like a dystopian future, yeah. like it's basically like the 1984, like <laughs> think speak, like don't say it out loud. Yes. Just keep it to yourself kind of deal or something. Yes. Yes. But yeah, and so the thought police will come find you. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it's it, it's an interesting aspect to that. But what I'm getting at is there's a point where they actually go and visit the tomb mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's gifted the lightsaber from yes. the Rodian. Yes. And you had brought this up before uh, earlier in one of our other shows because we've been talking about this book forever apparently uh, about like how the you know lightsaber is constructed. Mm-hmm. And like Luke discovers that he has to use the force to actually find like the small groove he needs to undo it and everything and find the crystals that you know, focus the energy and whatnot. And yes, it happens to be a green blade. Yes. And so that's where my thought is like, my little theory is, do you think that this is where he gets his green blade from? I just, I just realized something from way earlier. Oh, go ahead. Senator Anoconda. And what? Anoconda? What the hell is that? Wakanda? What? Anoconda. (laughs) Anoconda. That's the Rodian Senator that I was thinking of earlier. Dude, you nerd. You're okay. Oh my God, Autoconda. All yes. right, I'm going to add that to the list. Uh, that's going to be one of our questions next time. Yes, Autoconda. Yes, he sounds like Autocon from Metal Gear, doesn't it? A little bit. And Anaconda. Anaconda. Yeah. Yeah. All right, just got to remember an Anaconda Autocon. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> yeah. Anaconda Autocon. Anaconda yes. Autocon. Anyways, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So to get back at it. Do you think that's where Luke got the, the, his crystal for his inevitable green blade? Yes. I think it's like he <laughs> held on to it and was able to just discover how to focus it with the force and whatnot. Yeah. So. There is, I mean, there was a point in that kind of subplot where I got a little confused because, like, at one point he uses that lightsaber, and that's, like, how he knows that it's a green crystal. Right. Like, he just fires it up. Yeah. But then whenever he actually, like, disassembles it, he realizes that, like... Th- like that the focusing crystals are out of center or out of alignment and that he can't continue to use it. Yeah. And he probably thinks that I think mainly my, my theory on it is basically just that he's still new at this. Right. So he doesn't know the proper alignment. Yeah. How to actually get it aligned. And he, like he realizes, Oh, the only way to do this, like there's no way to physically you know, put your hand put, in there yeah. or smudge it or whatever. Yeah. Like I think he even says that much. Like, yeah, you don't want to smudge the crystal. Yeah. 
So, so but yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's where the green it, blade it, comes from. It would make the most sense, yeah. and that's that's a cool little origin story for that too. Yeah, because yeah. I think you know it's another one of those like random questions where it's like. If Luke lost his lightsaber, where does he get the crystal for a new lightsaber? Mm-hmm. Unless he fabricated it or some, you yeah. know, <laughs> mundane explanation here later or something right. like that. But yeah, yeah. So that, that's my thought. And I thought it was a cool little callback to think to like, okay, yeah, yeah okay, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, and so Dakari's backstory. This is another thing that I brought up was. Uh, you know, to make sure of it, like uh, their mom's out of the picture because she was sent to a Kessel Spice mine for apparently putting out a parody song yeah. of uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's called "All My Prosthetics Parts." That's the name of the parody song. Yeah, and I forget the full name of the band. It's something something. It's an alien name and the Tootle Fruits. <laughs> but she was like her mom like Nakari's mom was apparently like a backing like vocalist for this band they wrote this song and like swiftly the Empire came and just like took them away and arrested them and you know her story go- like Nakari's story goes on from there that like you know ever since then they've subtly been hating the Empire and all this kind of stuff yeah what I'm trying to get at is do you think that Darth Vader was that popular of a figure that they needed to put a parody song out no <laughs> simply put <laughs> simply put Let's just see. Yeah. So there are points, and I know I've, I've bring it up all the time, but like, especially in the new run of like Darth Vader comics, they introduced the fact that like almost nobody in the like Im- Imperial ranks right. knew about Darth Vader. Yes. And next thing you know, it's like he actually like, like the Emperor is like, all right, gather around, gang. Yeah. This is my, this is my dude, Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Like, check out what he can do. No, yeah. And he calls out the names and everything. And it's like, okay, he's going to, he's going to be watching you from now on. That yeah. kind of deal. He doesn't have any real appendages also. Now it's common knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. We don't <laughs> have to go for the song. Yeah. We don't have to go for the song again. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think I mean, I, I, the more than anything else, probably just a jab. Like in the book, yeah, I th- I think so, and like I mean, I th- I guess it's like it, you know, it's a, it's a heavy-handed, poignant moment. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'm saying. It's like, how can you really tell if it's if he's really prosthetic at all? Yeah, because most people do claim him as a man versus like you know half man, half machine or anything like that. But yeah. does anyone truly know? Yeah, or or so. they just genuinely don't know what he is. Yeah, that's like, yeah. <laughs> is so. he a cyborg or something like that? He yeah. could be like Grievous. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Know. Uh, and the only last real quick thing I could think of, uh, there was a point in the book where they had to use some code words. Uh, <laughs> yes. And one of the code phrases was that they had to go and order some noodles. Yes. And the particular order was buckwheat noodles with rancor sauce. Yes. And you had to order that specific thing, and then this person would tell you, you know, give you the information that you needed. Yes. But Rancor sauce apparently sounds really bad to everybody because no one wants to order. It has to be the most unmain, like you know, unusual thing that you could order. Yeah. And uh, you know, otherwise, you know, Nakari herself like gets Luke to get the buckwheat sauce or whatever it is, uh-huh. and she gets herself like regular noodles with Nerf nuggets. Yes. <laughs> now Nerf nuggets sound delicious. I I agree. I'm curious to know what they would taste like. So, you Nerf that's established in uh star wars is uh, it's a cow it's it, cattle yes. yeah so you'd have to imagine that they would just be like little steakums yes or something like yeah, that like, I mean, maybe like a steakum or like i mean i'm even just thinking of like little, like even like if you go to like chipotle and like they just kind of do <laughs> they, like they cut the, up the, uh, the steak yeah like they have the like the steak is just kind of like in squares in yeah in small little i could see that yeah know, like i'm almost thinking something like that <laughs> 
But like the fact that they're like nuggets makes me think that they would also be breaded, breaded, deep fried or something. Because honestly, I was thinking about it because I was like, all right, it's like little pieces of steak or something like that. That's, you know, I'm not so much deep fried, but it made me think of like when Chick-fil-A did the the grilled chicken nuggets. Yeah. It's like, I guess that's what they would look like. Yeah. Obviously beef, but like, you know, with grill marks on them, even though like, you know, little one inch squares. Yeah. But I I don't know. I'm thinking some, I'm thinking some sort of like glaze on it as well just, yeah you know Give spice it, it up a little yeah i'm down for that so you get what i'm saying like it sounds delicious but what do you think rancor sauce could be like i mean it must be like rancor sweat or something like oh, God. Or, or some other bodily function like because like I, I don't know i mean i'm not saying i would it would be my pick but like it also just sounds like spicy well all right so to that end like i agree with you on that because i do like spice yeah and i'm thinking to myself like i wonder if they're trying to make it out to like if it's like is something as ravenous as like and i'm not saying this is a bad thing but like say it's like you know someone has an obsession with like sriracha yeah and it's like oh well this is like a sriracha star wars brand it's called rancor sauce but as you say yeah it might be sweat yeah, so it's like, like yeah, or it has something. To be something really gross. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, so it's like either that or some kind of like just off-putting color. Yeah, just just dousing this noodles. Yeah, you that's know, fair. I don't know because you, you think about noodles. You know, you get the red sauce, the white sauce, and like whatever you would put into uh, you know noodles for like Asian cuisine and stuff like that to make them kind of brownish. Mm-hmm. But if it was like a mushy green, yeah, or like uh, almost like an orange or something like that, yeah. I don't know. You'd be it would definitely be off-putting. Yes. So I don't know. I <laughs> I might be sounding picky when I say that, but like, yeah, I definitely would pick the ner- the Nerf Nuggets over uh, Rancor sauce any day. Yes, I I will definitely go along <laughs> with that for sure. So, but I mean, otherwise, uh, how would you rank this book? Did you like this book? I did like this book. Um, I well, the only okay, just one last thing before I wrap up. I yeah. one thing that I couldn't help but notice like after having read this and then watching rebels was like so when they go to the skull borer planet well it's a moon actually it's yeah. called fex fex um and it's, skull borers yeah that makes sense now yeah and it's like basically like a um like it's it's described as being like all purple in color yeah and then you have these skull borers and whatever and like they're sensitive to like electronic impulses so like the when they originally go there, they're just supposed to like knock them with like stun batons, basically. Right, right. Are you thinking of where the rebels set up base? Yes. Oh my god! Like those spider things? Yes. Wow. So yeah, I mean it's clearly not the same because like that planet is called like Atolan or Adalon, depending Adelon, on Adalon. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's very much a Star Wars word where people pronounce it very differently. Savage. <laughs> yeah. Savage. Savage oppress. oppress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm pretty sure like. Um, Thrawn refers to it as Adalon. Adalon, yeah, it but definitely. Like, but I think Ezra might call it. We're on our way back to Atolan now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, so I, I, I never even thought of that. That's actually a clever little like you know bringing into that because there's yeah. little monsters that go like they're like they're like the food or like the pet or something. I can't remember what they, their involvement is, mm-hmm. but like it does have that kind of flavor to it. Yes. Although I mean to be fair to it, I think they describe Vex as a little more jungle aesthetic. Yeah. Versus like Adalon being like almost it, desert, yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, that, that they could be like almost the same species family. Yeah, one's just massive, and the other one's just it's tiny, and like the that's just the way it hunts. Yeah. So <laughs> and they even say as much like with the this other species that are around on on the Fexian moon, like they've all developed like hard like 
diamond hard like hides and like protective yeah. armor. Yeah, to make them unlikely to be eaten by these skull boars. Exactly. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's just my last comment on that. I like that. Yeah. That's I a just, good one. Like I couldn't like help but see that and like <laughs> feel that kind of. Because like the whole, and part of it is they like you know Nakari kind of posits that well they're going to explore this as a potential rebel base yes anyway like as a request of Admiral Akbar yeah um, but they determine that it is not appropriate it's for, not good <laughs> yeah like they say even before they go there they're like let I think it's just going to be a preemptive nah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, but so yeah I mean my kind of final thoughts on the book and I kind of led with this as well to me it was just you know it was a breezy enjoyable read mm-hmm. I mean I think we we learn about Luke. I almost wish we would have learned a little bit more. I'm not even saying that he has to succeed more yeah. or like accomplish more, but like it just kind of felt like I was waiting for it to like really get into like the mysticism of the force. And it never really goes to that level. In the same vein, you could also say that with the lack of that, mm-hmm. it's, it's putting us into the shoes that like he doesn't know. Right. So we wouldn't yeah. know because like, we're reading from his perspective. Yeah. And it's interesting that like, you know, these completely like force blind people like Nakari and yeah. Fusil are able to guide him to a higher level of understanding. They give him a different way of thinking. Yes. Like he's set in his way on one certain way and then they just open him up saying yeah. like, why not look at it from this angle? Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, and I think that informs Luke's abilities as the series progresses and like, I mean, even thinking, you know, I mean, obviously, we never really see it quite as much, um, like in the you know in the new canon. Yeah. But like, just kind of thinking about some of his portrayals in in later episodes or like in later stories in the EU, and he's just like, he is incredibly resourceful in a way that I don't think a lot of like old Republic Jedi would have been. You're right. No, he. I mean, for starters, like he allows emotion to guide him a lot. Yes. He's still learning that side of it. Right. Yes. I mean, allows emotion to you know, influence him, but he also, you know, can kind of like, I'm even just thinking like he can think of practical solutions to complex prog problems instead of like, well, how can the force deliver this? It's like, well, what if we just crash a ship into it or something like <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, seriously. It's just, it's random. Yeah. And I think, it, I mean, and I would also argue, I think it does a nice job of setting up the comics as yes. we kind of touched on earlier, that yeah. this takes place right before that. And like, you can kind of see in this story that he has gained some strength and, you know, a little bit of control over some of the things that he's able to do that we see him do in the comics. Yeah. It, um, it explains that growth that much more. Yeah. But it still feels kind of naturalistic that it's not just like, literally he goes from knowing nothing to like being a, you know, a neophyte, but still somewhat capable in the force. Would you agree that if someone was to start reading, you know, if they were their first chance reading a book yes. for the Star Wars lore, would you agree that this is a good start? I think this is a great start. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. simple. Yeah. It's fun. Like you say, breezy. Yeah. And, you know, in, it follows one of the, you know, one of the best characters in movie history. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, Why I think, not? yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, it's tough to read like the aftermath books because there's not really a lot like of familiarity with those characters. Yeah. There's like new that. characters, a new batch. Um, yeah. I mean, like I honestly enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It, it turned out to be a little more fun read than I would have thought like originally. Yeah. And when I did read it, I thought that you had already, you know, knocked it out of the park beforehand. So uh-huh. I was happy to come back to it and, uh, really, 
give it the once over with you and you know just really enjoy it you know alongside you it was fun yes so agreed. i highly recommend this to anyone who wants to give it a shot if, if you have a friend out there who's unsure about you know reading the books themselves you know i, I would i would honestly put this up there with i mean not you know as big as grand a story as like the Thrawn trilogy from Timothy's on the original one, but this is still just like a you know for starters, just give it a shot. Yeah, familiar characters, fun plot, fun times, and you don't have to know that much about Star Wars lore either. Yeah, it's not it's not dependent on that level of like fanboyism. Yeah, no, so. absolutely not. I mean, I think it is very, uh, you know, it, like. It, I think when you see a title like that and, mm-hmm. and you kind of start getting into it, you kind of think like, oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be heavy into the force, but, yeah. it, but it's not. It's just a nice, enjoyable, like adventure novel. Exactly. Yeah. So let's put it out there, man. I think this is pretty good. Uh, again, I just want to thank everybody for sticking around and, uh, you know, checking us out this whole time. We hope that you guys enjoyed the, our little review, a little game and everything going on. Yeah, you know, so absolutely. we're we're happy to have you guys uh, listen to us again. Uh, you know, check us out on our Facebook, check us out on iTunes. Don't forget to check out the new website as well as our new friends at the Games and That Podcast, yeah. Brandon Carnahan and Andrew Fiar. Uh, check out their streams Tuesday nights at eight thirty or nine, and the following day they usually have the audio out and ready to go. Yep. And again, this has been fun. I had a great time. Did you have a good time? I thought it was a boring conversation. Anyway, I bet you did. <laughs>